Welcome to the Asia Climate Finance Podcast, where our host and his guest discuss and evaluate climate business and climate finance issues and trends. Please support us by liking and subscribing to the podcast. Also, please note the disclaimers at the end of the show. Here is your host, investor analyst and author, Joseph Jacobelli. Hello there, and welcome to episode 41 of the Asia Climate Finance Podcast. Some of the climate business and finance trends in Europe and US are highly applicable to the Asian experience. In this episode, energy media specialist Pamela Lag provides some clarity on some of these trends. She first briefly chats about her organization, Enlit World, which is an important source, as far as I'm concerned, of news and trends on the sector globally through publications and conferences. We then discuss with Pamela her latest findings after participating at Enlit industry conferences in Europe, uh, principally energy security, and the U.S., principally energy costs and the IRA. And finally, we have a very quick chat about Pamela's own podcast, the Energy Transitions Podcast. Please don't forget to listen to disclaimers at the end of the show and enjoy the episode. Hello again, and I'm very excited to have uh, Pamela Lag today. Uh, she's calling in from South Africa, and that's quite exciting because it's the first time I have somebody from South Africa. And as explained in the intro, we really wanted to get a few insights from Pamela regarding what you know she heard on the ground uh, in Europe and in the U.S. from uh, you know people who are actually actively participating in the energy industry. Hello, Pamela. So, how are you? How's uh, how's the weather down there? Well, first of all, Joseph, thank you for having me. It's it's a real pleasure to be chatting with you today. The weather is really warm. Uh, I don't want to make you jealous, but here in, in Cape Town, South Africa, it's sunny and uh, it's, yeah, summer is in full swing. <laughs> Apart from the weather, another thing that we were going to talk about, first of all, is you. We have your bio in the show notes, and uh, but uh, I was thinking, maybe can you tell us a little bit uh, about yourself? Sure. So I'm the host of the Energy Transitions podcast. Uh, which you can find on a site called Inlet World. Uh, and I'm also the senior writer for Power Engineering International, which is an online publication that focuses on all things power generation. Uh, so technically, I'm in media, which is my job, but I think it feels more like uh, I'm in the business of connecting people in, in a broader energy ecosystem which is really exciting and stimulating. Uh, so that's me in a nutshell. Great. And we'll, we'll, we'll get back to the podcast in a minute because I think it is, it is important um, for our listeners as well. And, um, you know, you mentioned uh, Enlit, which is spelled E-N-L-I-T, for those of you who don't know. Um, could you tell us a little bit about the organization and also about um, the magazine? Absolutely. So... I'll start by explaining Inlet Europe, which is an event that takes place once a year at various locations across Europe. And it focuses on the energy transition. 
all stakeholders from generation, distribution, transmission, and from from policy, from from a macro perspective, down to uh, new innovation and technology that's driving decarbonisation. So it's it's a conference, it's an exhibition, and it's a really exciting event to be a part of. Uh, I usually attend in Europe uh, from a media a media side of things, and uh, you know it's it's phenomenal to see everybody gather under one roof. I mean, obviously with COVID, I think we all missed having that experience. So just to be able to to meet with people in the industry and talk about the challenges, it's it's really great. So that's Inlet Europe. Inlet World is the the online media side of Inlet Europe. It's an all-inclusive content portal uh, with news, interviews, analysis, and all things concerning uh, the energy transition. So I do produce content. Uh, I write for Inlet World. Uh, a lot of the interviews that I do, you can find on Inlet World. And of course, like I said, it's, it's relating to the energy transition. So quite a broad uh, perspective, I think, mm. um, on, on Europe mainly. Uh, mm-hmm. But of course, we do look at the US markets as well. Right. And um, and it organizes conferences in uh, Asia and the U.S. as well, right? We do, indeed. Uh, so in the U.S., it's uh, the event is called Powered Gen International, uh, which takes place uh, usually in the beginning of the year. This year, it uh, took place uh, from the 23rd to the 25th of January in New Orleans. Uh, and of course, we have Distributech, which is an absolute monster of an event, uh, and that's all to do with uh, transmission and distribution. And that takes place uh, in Florida uh, at the end of this month, actually, 27th to 29th of February. Uh, Inlet Asia is taking place in October uh, in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. I'm hoping to attend that as, as well because, you know, obviously this is a global energy transition. So getting insights from around the world and being able to almost synthesize them or assimilate them is is quite important to one's uh, full understanding of, of what's happening. Mm. So very excited about the, the upcoming events. And, and I, I was asking about these conferences, not so much to, to just advertise the conferences or to advertise the content that, that you write on uh, Enlit World, uh, but also because I think it's it's a really, really good resource for people to try to get their head around on what's going on with the energy transition, you know, climate business and climate investment in uh, in general. So that was really the the, uh, the the reason I was asking about that as well. And um, the first of, of, of the two areas I wanted to focus on. Um, so you had, you know, Enlit Europe at the end of uh, last uh, last year. Which what were some of the kind of key themes? or, you know, key uh, takeaways that you had from those um, those meetings with, uh, you know, industry participants, especially, I mean, obviously this is a, po- our podcast is a podcast about Asia, uh, but I think that there's a lot of stuff that is happening in Europe, which is relevant to the Asia experience as well. Well, I can tell you, Inlet Europe, in Paris was really, it was great to be there. 
uh, I learned so much from from the various attendees and, and the conversations I had. I think one of the overarching themes was energy security. And I think balancing energy security with achieving decarbonization goals. Uh, you know, obviously, there was a great impact uh, when Russia invaded Ukraine. Uh, it impacted the energy sector in a big way. And it put gas supplies in question. It caused Europeans to rethink everything, basically, from energy market design to the role of renewables and gas, uh, as well as energy sovereignty, which was, like I said, one of the main uh, themes of the discussions mm. at Inlet. Uh, of course, it's also a question of how do we ensure sufficient flexibility and dispatchable capacity. So again, the role of gas uh, coming into the question. Mm. But yes, I think, uh, you know, with, with the Russia and Ukraine situation, it caused a lot of insecurity and it caused people to rethink you know, what is working and what isn't. So those were some big questions. Uh, Joseph, also, the role of nuclear uh, was, or should I say, the role of nuclear power was central uh, with some questions around, you know, are we going to embrace nuclear? I mean, if you mm. think about Germany, for example, absolutely nuclear is a no-go, uh, you know, whereas other countries are, are more amenable to the idea. And of course, nuclear power has been officially labeled as green in Europe. Mm. So it comes down to questions around how do we ensure base load capacity? Will it be nuclear power? Will it be gas? You know, while we continue on our decarbonization journey. So there's a lot of exciting stuff happening in the space uh, in the nuclear space. So, for example, micro-reactors or small modular reactors. Mm. Uh, you know, so that's that's obviously a consideration as well. So these were some of the, the key themes that, that came up. It, it was fascinating. Uh, very much, I think, from a policy perspective, you know, looking at how do we how do we solve these these challenges when it comes to, to energy security and, and supply. Um, what, what did uh, in the industry participants say about um, renewables? And obviously, you know, renewables is booming, relatively speaking, in Europe. One of the issues we've got is, you know, bureaucratic hurdles where basically permitting. So where, where you try to get uh, a, uh, a solar farm or a wind farm going and then it takes you months or years to get the approvals. Um, but um, what, was there any, any kind of thoughts or insights from you about, uh, about renewables? So, you know, what's interesting about Europe is that they've had a lot of uh, policy initiatives that have really aimed to speed up the adoption of renewables. So renewables was a big topic. Uh, and I think that there is significant ambitions uh, in terms of renewable energy targets, uh, looking at onshore, offshore wind, uh, the uptake of solar, uh, as well as perhaps some of the challenges around that. And you mentioned, uh, Joseph, permitting, and I can tell you it's a global challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that, you know, that one of the key discussion points was how do we how do we speed up these processes? There is so much 
much red tape uh, bogging down uh, projects and the ability to get projects online. So that is, it's a significant consideration. And I'm not entirely sure that the solutions to these challenges um, are on the table yet, but it, it certainly is, is a priority. So yes, renewable energy is a hot topic. I think with that is the fact that there is this consensus of there is no energy transition without investment into the grid. And I'm sure we can mm. discuss that in more detail because that's an issue within the States and Europe. But ultimately, we need to, to actually fortify the grid before we can actually get all of these projects online. Um, and of course, you know, that, that's also going to cause a delay. Right, right. Well, the, the grid infrastructure is uh, is a global issue, but I mean, it's very interesting that all of these uh, insights that you put forward from Europe, you know, the kind of energy security, um, it's obviously a big, big theme in, in, in Asia as well. Um, nuclear really depends on the country, uh, but obviously China, well, bulk of East Asia actually um, is very pro nuclear uh southeast asia is still finding its way and then you've got places like um, australia new zealand which don't don't want it and don't need it uh, as of now so it's quite interesting that again these themes that you saw in europe um uh can be you know uh, replicated or can be seen as well in 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 the asia pacific M moving on to the us what about some of your takeaways from uh your trip there just uh, last month or two months ago. <laughs> yeah, Joseph, it was it was fascinating, and I think one of the key issues uh, being addressed is is that of cost. And you know, I I don't think the industry is under any illusion that we need to decarbonize and we need to do it rapidly, but there seems to be a realization that this is going to be a very costly endeavor. So. The impact on the bottom line was the key themes, I think, coming out of the U.S. conference. There is also consensus that gas will be at least a transition fuel. So uh, for the medium and even to the long term, uh, we see that gas will play an important part in power generation, although it is critically important to decarbonize existing gas-powered assets mm. rather mm. than replace them, which, again, mm. is an issue of cost. And mm. I think to a degree, time as well, because we don't have time to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We need to use what we have, decarbonize what we have in the most effective and efficient way. Mm. So, again, this was one of the key topics uh, that I found at PowerGen International. Again, it comes down to reducing cost. So it's it's about an awareness and, and generating an awareness of the cost and the impact, the the operational impact of decarbonization. You know, and there were several conversations about the impact of hydrogen. So incorporating hydrogen uh, in dual fuel power plants, uh, power plants that will eventually run on 100% hydrogen. You know, that's not just a, a pipe dream. This is something that is a reality in the US. And 
come with that is the importance of carbon capture and utilization. Mm. But again, these are costly endeavors. And, you know, I think there's a very uh, realistic view of, of the impact of this on, on business. So that, that was something, that was one of the key, the key takeaways. Obviously, in the U.S., like with, with Europe, issues around permitting, um, you know, and and I think the influence of policy on developing a hydrogen supply chain, you know, it's one thing to say, well, we want to have these hydrogen goals and ambitions and, you know, we want to generate X amount of hydrogen, but will we have enough off takers at the end of the day? So I think these were a lot of the, the key discussion points that I that I came across. Mm-hmm, very interesting. Yeah, I think when it comes to the energy transition, of course, it's a big question mark because if in November uh, we get another Trump presidency, then uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff that is going to be thrown out of the window. And, uh, you know, I've argued um, in a few of the stuff that I wrote that, uh, you know, the U.S. is is great and everything, but when it comes to renewables, uh, it's not really as stable and transparent as some other regions because if you think about Europe you know Europe the EU 27 27 opinions at the table very hard to make decisions etc cetera, etc cetera. but when it comes to the energy transition the, the policies have been fairly stable and fairly transparent over uh, the period of more than a decade where in the US basically you know we're having a conversation now I mean are we going to see a change in policy in December 2024 so, um, and would you as an investor put your money in for uh, 20, 25 years, not knowing what if the market is going to change on you or the policy is going to change on you? So it's quite uh, quite a disturbing event that is going to happen at the end of this year in the U.S. Absolutely. And it's actually an interesting time. I think uh, I read somewhere that there's more elections taking place this year than than in the history of elections it, it's just a crazy time and geopolitically we're in such a state of flux as well but you mentioned uh, you know yes we don't know what will happen with the next u.s election but what has been good to see is that the inflation reduction act has done a lot for the u.s i mean it, it's simply one of the biggest and most impactful uh, federal policies that we've ever seen so mm. That was one of the interesting conversations I had because the impact of the IRA has been truly significant. We've seen with with tax credit, you know, with actual with funding that's been injected uh, mm. in into the sector. It's it's really making a tangible difference, spurring innovation, and actually, what I see happening is that there has been an increase in investor confidence. That is from European companies as well, which is really interesting. Uh, you know, so I think you see that with with this increase in, in innovation and emphasis on domestic manufacturing, it's done a lot to put the US in the fall. And I've had several conversations where people are saying, has Europe lost its first mover status? And that is something that is quite controversial and is certainly a very topical discussion point at the moment. Mm-hmm. No, that's very, very, very interesting and a good point about the IRA. That's great. And um, so do, do you have any kind of key conclusions or takeaways from uh, 
all of this uh, travel and chit chats that you've had? Sorry, it, it's quite something to see how the conversations are changing. Um, yes, there is still an element of of competition between the various players in the sector, but it seems that there is an increasing acknowledgement that we can't do this alone, that we need to break down the silos that are, are hindering pro- progress, which is it's very encouraging uh, because at the end of the day, we, we, can't, we can't do this on our own. You know, we can't do this in island mode, as it were. <laughs> mm. We need to be partnering. We need to be working together to achieve these goals. And I, I think I just see such a realization uh, in the sector that this is what we need to do. You know, we need to, we need to really share the lessons that we learn and, and keep communicating, which I think is why, you know, even though we're just having this discussion, uh, Joseph, it's important to to keep these conversations happening and and keep people sharing because that's ultimately how we can really progress this energy transition. It's not by trying to do it on our own islands, but really getting involved and and keeping the conversation going. And I've seen that, you know, and there is a realization no matter where you are in the world that this is a partnership and it, it's quite exciting. So talking about getting the conversation uh Keep, keep the conversation going. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your podcast? I would absolutely love to. So the the Energy Transition podcast is uh, it's almost two years old, actually, which, wow, time flies. Uh, it's But yes, it's a bi-weekly podcast and it focuses on all things uh, related to the energy transition. Uh, there is so much going on um, in the energy space at the moment from technical innovation uh, to geopolitical challenges uh, to, you know, what's next for the grid. Uh, so, so much going on. And there are so many people with great ideas that are, are working behind the scenes and, of course, sometimes up front. Uh, so the Energy Transitions podcast basically gives a voice to those who are making an impact. Uh, it allows people to tell their stories and share their experiences. So it's informative. But actually, more often than not, it's it's inspirational. And, you know, it's such a privilege for me. I get to speak to really interesting people. I get to learn about a variety of topics, you know, from, from decarbonization to nuclear power or fusion even, which is super exciting. Of course, I even uh, recently had the opportunity to speak to you about uh, clean tech investment. So it's it's really interesting and uh, I encourage people to to listen and, and to follow us if they like what they hear. No, absolutely. And, and it kind of, uh, again, fits my my overall theme that in order to raise, um, and, 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 and in order for you to get your head around the energy transition, you really got to tickle the boxes, meaning it's a multi-sectorial, multi, multi-disciplinary approach. So the more information you have, I mean, you don't have to ex- be an expert in tech or an, ex- or an engineer or uh, a professor in economics, but just getting your head around all of the different issues will really help you, whether it's just out of interest or if you're making investments, uh, it, it's quite important. Well, that's fantastic. Look, Pamela, I really, really want to thank you for uh, your time today. 
really enjoyed the conversation and um i hope that uh the weather nana keeps on uh, keeps on being really nice so you can have some nice walks and stuff <laughs> Thank you, Joseph. It, it has been a pleasure. Quite an interesting experience to be on the side of the uh, of the questions. So thank you for having me. To be grilled by me. <laughs> okay. It was great. That was great. Yeah, it was definitely great. Thanks so much, Pam. Thank you. Thank you, Pam. Thanks, Joseph. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Asia Climate Finance Podcast. Please note that the Asia Climate Finance Podcast is presented for educational purposes only. All information in the podcast must not be construed as investment advice. Always consult a licensed investment professional before making investment decisions. Also please note that the views and opinions expressed by our guests are personal and may not represent the views and opinions of current or previous employers.